Welcome to all of our new and existing relatives and listeners. This is the Healing Dojo podcast series brought to you by the Her Wellness Institute in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Thank you for joining us as we engage in meaningful conversation around the complexities of our collective and individual healing. In the reflection parts of our series, we engage as the CAM Masterclass in deeper conversations and explore this episode's content. Come as you are and let's begin. Okay, so for John, his question to you, Fonde, is, I was wondering if you teach and educate parents about using healthy words as well. I know that teaching children and youth about healthy words and then going home and experiencing something other than healthy positive words then family can be challenging for them to continue thinking about healthy words. John, you have found the quiet space where my tears roll, man. Like, this is what I, that, this is the riddle I'm in. And, with, and currently with a, a, a global pandemic going on and babies in the houses with their parents, I am thinking about how do I zoom in with these healthy words and get them to every child, right? And because here's the thing, the, we do work with parents, yet parents are free to not choose <laughs> to participate in groups and activities. They could be busy, they're overwhelmed. Why would they need to do a healthy word? That's something for the kids. So what I will tell you is my goal with the children is that they become advocates of change and you you know and i i don't know really and i think education doesn't really know what we do about infusing that energy into the houses but that's where i started to come up with this <laughs> this technique that i do now and i love it i'm gonna do it everywhere i can and i'm gonna, and i'm gonna share it with everybody because you could you could do it with the kids right now which is I have the kids now create kindness cards where they take a healthy word and give it to the parent in the home to activate healthy words in the space as an action of charism. So it's been amazing because the babies will make these thank you cards. First, it's amazing that the babies make these kindness and thank you cards and then they're all asking if they can make more, like, wait, I, I need to thank my grandma, I need to thank my aunt, I need to thank my dog. Like, all of a sudden they get caught up in the spirit of gratitude and that's beautiful. But what happens next in the next week when they come back, they have so many beautiful stories about their parents being touched by the healthy words in the home. So that was my immediate strategy, are these kindness cards and getting healthy words in the home. Um, yet, it is still a, 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 my, my core challenge is, that I would like all the parents to go through some kind of healthy words activities so they at least understand the value. And so my goal is when the babies show up with the card that the parent is experiencing the healthy words and the kid is experiencing the power of healthy words in the home. Um, I've also done a couple poster projects over the years as gifts to the home so that the healthy words are up in the home. Um, but no, as of yet, no. But it sounds like maybe we need a healthy words app and uh, it's on my it's on my to do list. All right, what else is there? More. Um, so John mentioned it can be difficult or challenging, especially if parents aren't engaged, too busy, or do not want to participate in healthy words. 
I got to tell you that I hear so many parents speak to their children in ways that are so alarming and painful. And uh, it, 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 I mean, it, it, this is one of my challenges and I, and I hold it and we will see, you know, I, right now, like I said, one of the things is that perhaps there's an app where we can, cause it's really not just parents, you know, every parent is an adult. So there must be a way to create an app or create an experience that engages adults in the play of healthy words. And that, and then maybe there are games that we can design where kids participate with their parents, but you can't make somebody want to um, choose better language. My goal is that I can encourage, inspire, and show them the benefit. Like that's the ultimate goal is that eventually we will have the generation of young people that know healthy words with ease and they're able to share the benefit with the people in their homes. So um, that's the goal. That's where my heart is. You picked, hey, you know what? It's so amazing, John. You picked the thing that I, you're talking about lamenting. I walk out of schools all the time knowing I'm sending babies. Matter of fact, I got this story really quick. I'll do it as quickly as I can, Leah. Do I have time to tell this story? Small amount of time. All right. I'm doing a healthy words workshop, little baby. He um, goes, like he does the healthy words and everything. But when I see him again, he's in the principal's office and he's gotta be in second grade. And the principal ends up telling me that he called him a series of, of cuss words, like outright just told, and the kid didn't care. So I'm talking to the kid with the principal because I happened to walk in to talk to the principal. And I said, I said, well, why did you use those words, you know, with the principal? And the kid said, my mom gets to use those words with my dad. And I was like, oh, right, of course, okay. And the sentence that was, the part of the sentence that's most profound is they get to use them. He, 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 he felt like, hey, people get to use these words. I would like access, I, I would like to be a part of that group. And so um, I ended up saying to him, I said, well, did you think about giving your mom some healthy words to use with, her, <laughs> with your dad? And he was like, no, no, I hadn't. I said, well, you know, you might want to try that. Do you want me to write you down some? He was like, no, but yeah, maybe I will. And I just think that's the work, you know, that's the work. So great question, John. Thank you very much. Thank you, Leah. Um, so this is also kind of stemming from what we've been talking about. I know last week um, we had a very heavy conversation about suicide. So it kind of got me thinking about grief. And in school, we learned that there's five stages of grief. Mm -hmm. um, uh, denial and isolation is one. Mm -hmm. Anger is another. Mm -hmm. Bargaining is the third. Mm -hmm. uh, depression is the fourth. And acceptance is the fifth. Mm -hmm. um, and for someone that experiences something so extensive, they visit these stages. Yeah. And so, and they don't have to be in any particular order. They can be in one and then revisit it again if they've right. already done it. But my question for you is, when when do you think that a person knows? they're they're done grieving over the experience or do they never really well not you know that's such a 
beautiful but deeply complex question. Yeah. Um, I will say that I do, I do think that there is a moment of acceptance with, on, on a variety of levels. So I do think that's when, it's, when you truly have accepted it, then I think that is just what it is. Because those stages of grief are natural. And like you said, you could fall back into them. Um, but I think for every individual, it's going to be just slightly different. You know, when my father passed away, I, I experienced each and every one of those. Um, and I actually, I, I remember, you know, I had, I was part of the decision to decide if we were going to give him um, food or, and water, or if we were just going to give him morphine so he could pass. I was there at hospice. I was there every single day, last seven days of his life. And afterwards, I remember definitely going through every single phase. And it took me maybe, I don't know, five, six years to truly accept that it had transitioned and our relationship was different. And I guess for me, the moment that it, I really understood it was different was the moment I spoke to him plainly in a spiritual way and I wasn't wishing for him. Hmm. My desire had waned and my action took place. And the action was to connect with him immediately because I could, because he was spirit, right? So that was when I knew. Um, the rest of that time, I went like, I, maybe a month and a half after that, I had this gorgeous vision of him and I, in a, you know, in this circle with my grandfather and this whole process of him passing. But I had not accepted it emotionally and psychologically. I was still des I was still certainly grieving. So... I would say it's, it's, that, it's this really quiet moment where the desire for what is lost has waned or, or disappeared, right? Like, I think a really good example of that is this, this is a gentleman by the name of Donald Trump. He currently is going through this very experience, maybe for one of the first times in his life it appears, I'm not really sure, but he's, a, he's an interesting example to watch because he is still negotiating and die and in this dialogue about loss and it's put out for the whole world to see him process grief and um you can see that he's just he has not he's not even remotely close to acceptance yet and um i know that at some point his desire for this will maybe linger now how long i don't know but i know when the desire wanes and the peace comes the acceptance kicks in and you go into a new action and also i'll just say this about it is that you end up having new desires and it begins to move and life rotates and things keep progressing so it's an interesting thing there's a moment uh, it's and, and i think it's really subtle and gentle what we're talking about these are very gentle subtle shifts there's not like a day where you feel so strong my dad died and i woke up one day like all right i accept that <laughs> It's a very subtle, gentle process. And I would say the best thing to do during all of it is to be kind to yourself and understand where you are and not try to force it. There's no need to force healing. The, the, you, you will naturally get there. It's just like everything. You know, I was, I was saying this earlier is that I am currently healing, but in that process, I have felt ill. It doesn't mean that I'm sick, 
because I'm healing and I'm feeling pain or I'm having discomfort, it means I'm healing. I've had many a scab in my life and you go to bend your finger and it bends, it hurts, but it's healing. So just to know that there will be still pain and there will still be discomfort, but on some point there is an opportunity for peace. And again, I'm not saying that's for everybody. That is my experience because I've spoken to people who are still upset um, 30 years ago about what someone did to them and that person has even passed away, but they'll talk to you today. Matter of fact, I remember being in a conversation with a lady who was, I thought her husband was still alive, the way she was talking about how he treated her. And he had passed for like 15 years. So she's still negotiating. She's still in that walk. So that would be what I have to say about that. So um, it's kind of hard to follow up after everybody because <laughs> um, everybody has such good questions. Um, I'm going to go the cliche route. I don't know if it was covered, but um, in terms of meaning of life, um, oh. was that discussed? No, no, that's not been discussed. The meaning of life has not um, yet been discussed. <laughs> so I wanted to know um, to you personally what you think the meaning of life would be. and kind of the difference between just living and then, sorry, between living and just existing. Mm, I love um, that. I love both. I, you followed up everyone extremely perfect. That was, that was awesome. All right. Well, I actually <laughs> asked this question by my mother, almost like she's asking me, what did I do today? So <laughs> I've had time to think about what I think the meaning of life is. And I, and I think the meaning of life is, to participate and create. I think that we are here to participate and to create. And, I, and, I, and how that expresses itself is, a, 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 what is it called? The universe, which is one, which is a verse, which is a sound, like one sound, one expression. I think of it as a dance. So I think we are all, all here to participate in this choreography called life. And we have the option to participate and create, and I think is what we do. Um, some of us, like for example, I always think of an analogy of a sports event. There are people participating who are taking the tickets. There are people participating who once they sit in the stands, they're cheering for their team. There are people on the ground who are creating different strategies and moves to move around. Everyone in the auditorium is participating and creating at, to the degree and level that they can. So that's what I would say. If you ask me what I thought life was all about, I think this is a, a place to create and participate. And uh, um, I know you, yeah. you, Go ahead. you, you kind of mentioned um, spirit, the word spiritual a couple of times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so how does that fit into like everything? Oh, okay. So, and then I'll, and then I'll still touch on the your other question, which I kind of remember, but it's as far as spirit goes, my, for me, it is, how we are expressing that participation or that creativity. You're putting your whole essence and being. Okay, for, this is a really good example. If I ask everyone in a room to paint me a picture of a house, their spirit's gonna come through in that painting in their own way. And it's gonna be a different house for each individual person. And so that's where spirit is because that is your unique contribution spiritually to our existence. It's so like, I. 
I like to think, and this is just a playful way that I think about it, but sometimes I like to think about all of us as being God split personalities. And we're all running around expressing this divine ability to transform our world through thought and action. And it's such a gorgeous gift to have. Um, and so that's how I kind of think of it. Like our spirits are all different, but they're still connected through the same source of life. Um, so that's what I think. And I think you asked an, another question that was right after the, didn't you ask me a question right after the, what is the meaning of life question? It was, oh, where are you? It was um, about the difference between living and just existing. Right, how much fun. So. Here's what I discovered one day, is that I, I think that when, I think that there is not a difference first in living and existing, technically. I think the way you live can be different than just existing. I think just existing can be a way of living, if that makes any sense. You can just exist, do the, the whatever it is and, 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 and live that counts because you're just existing and, and when i the, the example of that is being um in a coma you are existing that counts you're not doing anything but you are there existing so therefore you are living right but i believe the option because i think what you're really referring to living is and i think i think that maybe there's an adjective that goes in there which is how do you the question really is what is a life well lived? I think, is that kind of what you're saying, man? It's like, how do you not just be here every day and do the mundane, but how do you live a, a life well lived? And um, for that to be the case, I believe the way you live a life that's well lived is really honoring and loving and cherishing yourself. I think the authenticity and being true to yourself and consciously participating in your life, honoring those moments where, you know what, I really do want to paint a picture today, or I really do want to take a walk at the lake. One of the things I was talking to my boss about, and she's really great about, like, we, we get in these dialogues, and she'll say sometimes, like, I don't know that I'm really doing anything. I said, well, every time you take a walk at the lake and you recalibrate yourself, and by the way, thank you very much, is it the OTs? Who taught me about, uh, what is it called? Oh, regulating. Yes, you regulate yourself, right? So it's like regulating yourself, caring for yourself, having compassion for yourself. I, you know, we, we, we play with these, we use these terms selfies and self and all, and very few times are we really, do we really feel affirmed to truly love on ourselves, like to get in the spirit of it, to enjoy you. So I think that, you know, when you're really going to live your life, you begin to honor yourself and you, you say, all right, you know what, I, I want this, I enjoy this, I'm going to bring more of this goodness into my life. And, what you, and, and I guess on the other side of just the love part is the purpose part. And honoring whatever you truly feel in your heart is your purpose right now. You know, there's someone who is trying to protect a frog in the rainforest. And that's their purpose and their whole heart and soul is into it. And I, and I believe that they are living out their life in a more dynamic way than just existing. 
So that's kind of my thoughts and feelings on it. I, I really think that one can exist because you can just be in a coma. So thriving is one of the words I always play with. I want to thrive. I'm, I, that's the word I talk, like I say, it's not good enough to be alive. I need to thrive. And, and over time, you kind of discover what that is. What else, man? Okay, um, my next question is, so people have this um, deep intuition about what has been called nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. um, and some aspects of our behavior feel as though they originate in our genetic makeup. Mm -hmm. And others feel like that the result is due to an upbringing of like our own hard work or our own like life experiences. So what, just kind of want to know your thoughts Talk about on My that. thoughts about nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't think that they are against each other. I think that your nature is nurtured. And, you know, so here's what I ultimately think about all of this. I believe that we are spirits on a journey and we have a begin date and we have an end date and in the middle we can live our lives in a relationship with the the greater nurturing so when i say that i'm saying like every experience you're you are having is there to shape and mold and form you for your purpose for in your contribution and when i say that i am a strong believer that you may not have you may never have known your purpose so to speak but the end of your life always says what you what life found valuable with you and what you did every day the end of your life shows what your purpose had been here and for some people who think about it in a conscious way they participate in that relationship and so I believe that your nature is nurtured. Humans are not black and white. So you can be born with a variety of different, just physical circumstances that impact your, um, your journey here, your, 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 your time on this planet. So I, I think nurture and nature are cohorts in creating the, the you as a, as a unique and rare person. I don't think they are in conflict. I think that they work together to make us all who we are. Min, those are wonderful questions. And I think that, you know, thinking about what's the difference between what is living and what is existing is part of, of living, right? When we're reflecting upon what does it mean to exist, we're going into those deeper pieces of what does it mean to be me? What does it mean to be us? What does it mean to be we? Um, and what, why does it matter? And those philosophical questions have been there from the dawn of, of, of the time when humans have been kind of trying to reflect about their, their um, plight in life. Mm -hmm. And what I want all of you to know, because we have talked about things like suicide and grief and loss, right now we are experiencing such great shifts of energy change around us, whether it means that some people are, are doing okay right now, some people are not. Um, some people look like they're doing okay, but maybe they're not. Because um, right now, let's just be honest. What does it mean to exist is the question of a lot of people right now. Millions of people are asking probably that question to themselves. And so it's a powerful question. It could be philosophical, but it could actually be a really literal question. Yeah. 
and you're trying to think about how to wade through the grief yourself and trying to make sense of loss that doesn't seem like loss because loss is also anticipatory grief. Anticipatory grief means that you're anticipating the loss, that you see it coming up and you're just sitting there waiting for it to happen. When we are experiencing anticipatory grief, when we are experiencing complex grief, because the losses are just kind of fragmented in our story, it's time for us to be able to have an opportunity to talk to somebody about that. I'll tell you one of the most healing things you can do is just to release it from your thoughts, to just allow it to be heard and seen. And almost, it's almost as if when you are able to say it out loud, and you see nothing happens after you say it, you give yourself more power and you give that thought less power. Yeah. And I, I, can I just say this to that yeah. point, Leah? I call it like people say it's venting because people do vent on other people, but I'm, I've been suggesting lately that it is healthy to t find a journal or a piece of paper. It could be absolutely and vent because you need to release some of that pressure that is happening. Matter of fact, well, I'm gonna just say this is an interesting thing. The word depression, it's such a tricky word to me because I feel like to, to press something is what people mm -hmm. normally feel. They feel pressure. To depress something is to release pressure by right. definition of the word. So it's a really tricky mm -hmm. um, emotional and psychological connection for the word to be depression when the goal is to release the pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to vent, we want to get that out. And, and I want to say, get, you know, I do this for me and, and, and people wouldn't think this, but Leah knows, I release my anger and my rage. I vent, I get, if, I, if I get to that space, y'all, I, I know for sure a couple months ago, I asked you all, I said, so you mean I'm hurting myself when I'm angry? Mm -hmm. So once I knew that, I mean, it started to help me shift my behavior and go in a new direction, but I vent. I will scream and yell and throw the pillows against the wall. Now, mind you, that might last like 13 seconds for me because I, I kind of like, you know, I enjoy the joy. But, <laughs> but I, every time I've ever been hurt for real by someone, I allow myself to express every single emotion. I do not block that. And I want to jump in and yeah. say, uh, Fonde, that is, if somebody were to ask me what is one of the most immediate healing tools you can utilize it is to allow yourself to release there is a practice of catharsis that happens when we have silenced our voice or we have silenced our needs or mm -hmm. we have shoved our tears back in so mm -hmm. that nobody can see us be vulnerable it is it is that piece that we begin to wound ourselves inside i want you yeah. to hear that again it's how we begin to wound ourselves inside right and that wounding needs to be seen needs to be heard and whether it mean that you know you get to process it and vent it and, and and there's a difference between venting and almost taking up the oxygen in a space where that's all you do is that you're in a space and you're just venting with one person and they don't ever have an opportunity to kind of talk back or share right. back now that's right. a different that's something we're talking about something different there what we're talking about when it comes to venting is allowing yourself to release what no longer serves you to begin to say, I want to do this. And that's why unapologetically, right? You have the right to say, you know, what? I'm not going to call that person back because I don't want to. And I would rather take a walk outside right now. And there are these, there are these, these 
expectations and limitations that we put upon our spirit from feeling what we need to feel and to acknowledge that there are pieces of us that are struggling or that they have um, that we're questioning our own existence. And so I just wanted to jump in and just say, not only was that a very thoughtful question, Min, and one that I think um, all of us need to be able to think and reflect upon, I also wanna add that if your heart is sad, if you're feeling heavy, know that you do have people that are here to listen without judgment, okay? That's what we do. We're all, you know, being vulnerable, I can say, probably one of the most courageous things you can do is to allow yourself to be vulnerable and to be seen for it and not to hide from the things that are part of who you are. You have many beautiful pieces of who you are. And then you have the things that maybe you think aren't very pretty, but when you share those vulnerabilities, it is what looks like strength. So I just wanna put all of that out there for you all to know that you have done a fabulous job. I'm so proud of all of you. Did Marcy and I talk? Marcy didn't talk yet. Okay. She didn't talk yet. But I wanted to just say I'm so very proud of all of you. Because when I look at the journey that it has taken and you've done this, can you all please just celebrate yourselves? You've made it through an entire semester during a pandemic. You've made it through an internship. Hey, I didn't have to do that when I was in my internship. I did not have to go through a pandemic. I did not have to figure all that out. Um, and you made it. You made it. Your semester's almost over. Okay, this is one more step towards the goals that you're working at every day. Okay, so at least find ways to celebrate your success. And I know we went over time, but if we can stay on just for a second. Marcy, did you have any question for Fonde or anything you wanted to say or share? Okay, this might be a quick question, but um, as I'm thinking about healthy words, Fonde, have you ever used like an anti-bullying like campaign combined with your healthy words? So uh, that is actually what, <laughs> that's the fit. So what's interesting about that, that is more the financial side where the schools, that is where they normally find their funding is through anti-bullying. Uh, it's challenging for me to use the word because I feel like I'm promoting bullying. So that is part of why I promote carerism and having a positive psychology practice because I, I, the more we campaign about not bullying, we're talking about bullying, we're teaching bullying, we're programming bullying. It's, you know, we don't really talk about this in society much, but it's called a television program, right? That means there's a program happening. And what is being programmed? Only the people watching it. So if, if we're going to put out commercials about anti-bullying and we're going to talk about anti-bullying in schools, it is more detrimental to me. I think we should have pro, we should have like pro friend rallies, pro friend. We should be saying friend, ally, right? If we're, if, that's the other part about, um, you think about it like anti-terrorists. We are still talking about terrorists. No one's like be anti-good. I mean, be anti-bad. Like, Right, anti-bad is not a thing to be. <laughs> you can be good, though. <laughs> you can. So there's an opportunity for becoming because when you talk about bullies, you're talking about a type of becoming. And so looking for words or even having to create words that step away from that eventually is the goal with healthy words. But that is how I traditionally am brought into environments to assist and reduce it. Well, actually, to assist in encouraging language that is friendship-based 
and kindness in, in its um, effort. So that would be the quick answer to that. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I've never, I can get why you don't want to use the word bully, but I think a lot of kids are programmed like to think about, oh, I'm bullying or I'm not bullying. So I think it's just shifting how we teach kids about it. So yeah, yeah it's really cool. We're indirectly promoting it is what concerns me the most because what your brain, your brain doesn't hear anti. Your brain hears bully and bullying and that's the words your brain can process and put in there and, and utilize in the future. So um, yeah, that is one of the goals is to transition away from that language and start to really talk about what we do want. Like when I hear that there's like an, uh, a, any kind of anti-rally, it should be something for an action we desire to see in the world. We should be coming together to produce and create, is that a baby? Is that a high five? Sorry, I saw a baby. Anyway, um, we should be coming together to produce and to create and to generate what we desire instead of just talking about what we are trying to take away. You know, we often get in language around subtraction when what humans do well is addition. We're really not at a subtraction kind of creature. You know, if you're gonna take something, you need to give something. And, um, yeah, that is how I feel. And it's similar to John's question. This, this is why I am in the school. Thank you for listening along to this collective Reflection Relatives. We hope the content and thoughts you experienced will continue to ignite the healing within. We encourage you to continue the conversation by scrolling through our other podcast episodes. We wish you all the love and good energy as you move forward in your healing journey. It is our honor to be here with you. Be sure to check us out on our Facebook page or at www.herwellness.org. And that is spelled H-I-R wellness.org. Take care, relatives.